If you watch sports enough, you hear it all the time. The best coaches are the ones who can make adjustments. Halftime adjustments, mid-season adjustments, roster adjustments following injuries. Being a coach requires constant adaptation, and perhaps no academic year required more of it than the one that just ended on June 19th. When California's governor and state health officials finally relaxed guidelines enough for outdoor sports in late February, it triggered a domino effect that eventually led to every high school sport having some sort of abbreviated season squeezed into a 16-week window. Many coaches who had resigned themselves to losing a whole year suddenly faced an accelerated timeline that would include limited practice time, a variety of testing protocols and anxiety, and a long list of other unknowns outside of their control. The pandemic year's impact on young athletes has been well documented, but coaches were deeply affected as well. For this episode, we asked four coaches to share their experiences of being a coach during an unprecedented time, including one that shares a scenario that would have been tough to navigate during even a normal year. Join us as we highlight the men and women who willingly jumped in the foxhole to make sure kids could be kids again. This is Sports Stories. The first three coaches we connected with for this episode all coach different sports and find themselves at different spectrums in their careers. Tom Costello has been a long-time successful boys basketball coach at Dublin High. When the guidelines dam broke on February 19th, it paved the way for outdoor sports while making indoor sports feel even less likely. But after some legal battles, indoor sports would get its conditional green light a few weeks later. Costello's self-claimed roller coaster was only just beginning at that point. Most leagues and districts push basketball deep into the spring to help spread out the need for facilities. So as football, baseball, and softball began seasons, whose players still waited. After a positive COVID test delayed Dublin's season even further, Costello's team eventually played a 14-game season over a 17-day span. They win 11-3. and It was quite a roller coaster. Um, I think that's the first word that comes to my mind because it we went from, is there going to be a season to there's not going to be a season to other oh, maybe, and you know, but it's going to be quick. And um, throughout the whole thing, the kids stuck with it. I mean, they came to everything, you know, we went from being able to be inside with small groups to, you know, now we're locked out. So now we got to be in the playground. Um, so we found a playground that was, you know, outdoors with small groups, but they were just, they just stuck together, man. And, and I was most proud of that because they could have just packed it in and said, hey, forget this, it's, you know, it's not going to happen. But they they stuck with it and they, you know, they just kept working. And, um, um, you know, I was just really, really happy because we had we had four seniors that were on the team last year and they did everything right. You know, they, they were behind some really, really talented um, seniors um, last year, you know, when they were juniors. And, you know, they could have played for a lot of, you know, the, played a lot of minutes for a lot of teams, but um, they stuck with it. And, you know, they, they went through the process. They did everything the right way. They came to practice. They worked hard. So they earned their, you know, they earned that right to play. And I was just super happy that they were able to do that. Um, and it's, it, it's sort of funny because uh, we have some newcomers to varsity and they're like, man, this is easy, man. We don't have to practice. It's, you know, it's like summer league. It's uh because we ended up playing about 14 games in 17 days and one pretty much one practice. 
And, um, you know, they were like, oh, man, this is easy. Who are we playing tomorrow? And, you know, I don't have to worry about coming to practice. It's, uh, you know, and I said, well, it's, you know, it's a little bit different. But, um, but it was a blast. I mean, it was fun. It was a lot of work um, shoved into, you know, three or four weeks. Um, it was quite a whirlwind, but it was super worthwhile. And just, you know, seeing the smiles on their faces was totally worth it. Bishop O'Dowd football coach Dave Perry wasn't just in his first year on the Oakland campus, but was also in the unique position of it being his very first year as a head varsity coach. That meant a number of different challenges that spanned the length of the shutdowns. Uh, you know, highs and lows for sure. You know, it's, uh, thank God I'm 42, a little more gray and a little more wise. Because um, <laughs> there's plenty of frustration, you know, and there's plenty of just things where it's like, oh my God, that was amazing. You know, it was a emotional roller coaster that I didn't even expect. Um, it was challenging, you know, but there were like these huge rewards. Um, you're talking about <laughs> pod, you know, pods. I wasn't able to, I'm going to do like that. I want to get to know every single player in my football program. And you know, like the one that kind of hit me a little weird, like I want to go know every single kid, but we got five sets of 14 pods and I might be working with this group of 14 and I, some days I won't even see pod number five. I won't even see, I won't even talk to 14 kids. And so like that part was really strange for me. I was like, God, I didn't even talk to, you know, two pods today. I was working over here with these, this group of guys. And so like, you know, definitely like that part was a little frustrating for me. And because I got, you know, I didn't get to talk to these kids. I didn't get to, you know, shake a kid's hand and give him a little hug on the back and say, man, it's been it great practice today and stuff like that. I couldn't even do that stuff. You know, I'm tired of fist bumps and elbows and all that, you know, because, I, you know, I want to really embrace my players and embrace this program because we got such amazing kids. Um, you know, not having a summer, like we're going to go through our first summer. You know, and so that part we're still kind of experimenting with as we go into the new year, you know, training protocols and print programs and things of that nature and not being able to do that last summer, you know, it was weird I'm around and, you know, setting up Zoom meetings and stuff like that, uh, teaching, you know, scheme via, <laughs> via Zoom, you know, didn't plan on doing that and didn't plan on teaching kids, you know, in my garage on my whiteboard. You know, here's all the offense and, you know, here's the defensive plan, et cetera. So, yeah, all that was uh, very, very strange for me. <laughs> but, you know, at the same time, like, you know, the kids would say, like, man, I, you know, we were at our banquet, which was outside in the quad, you know, and uh, <laughs> they're like, yeah, sometimes we didn't want to go to those Zoom meetings on Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. But, you know, for some reason, I just kept showing up, you know, and I was like, just the, the buy-in to what I was doing and what I presented was presenting was just unreal, you know, considering the circumstances. Nick Wisely has been a fixture on Antioch High's campus for several years and been a head coach for multiple Panthers programs, but never at the same time during the same season. The one thing is coaching two sports at once because I was the golf coach and softball and, and they overlapped. And there was a point where I had a match or a game eight out of nine days straight. I mean, and the, the, night, the only day was off was Sunday, you know, like, okay, all right, match, you know, game, match, game, you know, <laughs> just going back and forth. Um, 
But um, in terms of like just kind of things I'll remember is senior nights were just every senior night that we were a part of were kind of epic. I mean, the, the coaches went all out, the girls went all out for each other. And, um, and it seemed like every team, usually senior nights, emotional night. And, you know, teams don't usually play their best ball, but not this year. I mean, senior nights, kids went out. They're like, we never know if it's going to happen again or whatnot. And they really cherished it. Um, and, and I thought that was, that was a pretty cool thing that, that constantly happened. Um, and it, it, it was, it, it was a grind. I'll tell you that because having everything just bang, bang, bang. Um, but it was well worth it. Uh, anything to send out these seniors, uh, with what we could, um, we, as coaches, we worked hard to do that. As shelter in place orders came, went, and then came back again, the emotional and mental health of California's young athletes was a fixture of advocacy groups argument for a return to sports. Several coaches went through similar struggles. Costello shares how he battled those struggles during the shutdowns, and then Perry and Wisely followed by talking about the restorative effect that those first in-person workouts provided to them. When the pandemic started, um, I it you know it was like okay you know I usually have a break from basketball um, during that time anyway, so you know I mean understanding everything that's happening in the world, I'm you know not trying to be selfish about it, but but you know there was something missing and it wasn't until the summertime when you're supposed to ramp up for summer league and all that stuff that it really hit me. And it's like, I, you know, I, I, I'm not able to do what I love doing. And it's, you know, either, either coaching or teaching, like I'm not, that's why I do it. You know, I do it for the interactions and the, and the, you know, you never know what you're going to get when you come to work. Right. I mean, working with kids is so, so awesome. Um, and their enthusiasm just kind of, you know, their enthusiasm is so super contagious as it fires me up. But when that's missing, I'm not going to lie. I went, you know, I went a little, little nutso, you know, trying to find something to do to compete, trying to find something to do to, you know, to, to, uh, you know, to find time, and, you know, and, and it, so I just went through videos, went through all our film from last year, made a little, you know, highlight tape for all our games. And then I went through all our play, every single play that we ran, I have a playlist for that. So I, I just combed through video and like, you know, and it was tough, man. It was tough, you know, being away from what you love doing. The emotions were crazy. Like I was just ready to go, you know, at that point and, you know, I was so fired up and, you know, it's, like I said, you, you sell, like, we're going to have a season, you know, you have this hope and you create this hope and like you have work with this faith of saying, look, we're going to have this season. It's going to happen, but you don't really know, you know, COVID could have took a turn for the worst numbers could have gone up all those different factors going in vaccinations, maybe never would have happened, you know, and then whole, you know, door could have been slammed shut for the 2020 season but uh yeah it was nuts the kids were ready to hit they were they were ready to go they were kind of like confident already like oh no I think we got something good here coach and they were starting to feel themselves a little bit and yeah it was nuts you know I remember those couple kids because you know I wasn't letting them go full contact yet so it was like when do we get to hit coach when do we get to hit coach I mean I need to see these pads from them. And coaches were fired up. The, the energy was just, you know, you could see it jumping out of a lot of players and coaches' skin. And so, yeah, it was leading up to that scrimmage on August, or was that March 20th? It was just, it was nuts, man. It was, 
you know, we're like, we're finally here. I mean, uh, to me, it brought me more energy. You know, I mean, it's, I feed off the students, you know, I, I'm an activities director here. I, I'm in charge of the uh, link crew me uh, mentoring um, where we mentor freshmen. So I'm always involved in, and that's what kind of keeps me going. That's why I haven't gone to the dark side for administration or anything like that, like my wife, <laughs> you know, um, but, um, but I, I truly love working with the kids. And once in November, when we got to do those pod workouts, I'm like out there like running with them. Cause I'm fired up, you know, I'm excited. And, you know, the kids are like, coach, you're, you're excited. I'm like, yeah, it's been a while. We got to get out here um and then uh you know starting the season up it was it was a lot of fun too just because it's good to get back out i mean i was i was in a probably a little deep depression when it first started because we had a great team coming back i mean we were one inning away from winning the ncs title the year before and we're returning everybody and then bam <laughs> yeah uh, like we were supposed to go to San Diego on a, for a trip for a tournament, um, the day or like the next week after, you know, they canceled everything. So I'm like, Oh man, it was just, you know, it just kind of, it was a, it was a gut punch <laughs> for sure. Yeah. But it, it was great to just kind of get back out there and see humans again and interact. And it was nice. It was one thing to be back together with their teams. But the world had changed and there was a lot to get used to. We had a little pod work at the beginning of November. So, um, and I knew I had most of my girls back. So, which was good. I only had two graduating seniors. Um, we had one girl transfer out. So I knew we kind of had a good core and had a couple girls that reached out to me that wanted to try out. And so we had a little small group in, in November. And then um, once we got back in February, once they said, oh, yeah, you're good to go. It's like nothing, nothing, nothing. Oh, everything's open, ready to go. You know, get everyone there. It's like, OK, we got to do physicals. We got to get all that rolling. But that first day, I mean, the kids were like, oh, hi, what's your name? Like, like learning how to like fist bump, you know, it was it, the interaction was just it was almost comedic. It looked like a Saturday Night Live skit, you know, because, you know, people just didn't know, like, hey, what's up? Can I stand next to you? Can I not? You know, am I too close in the dugout? Um, did you scan in to make sure you don't have COVID today? You know, <laughs> did coach get your temperature? You know, it's just like a lot of little things that, you know, we're normally not used to. But I know as coaches, uh, you know, from all sports, we said, you know what, we're going to we're going to dedicate it, do whatever we need to do to get to let these kids play. So which was, you know, it was crazy, but fun at the same time. Goal setting had changed as well. Most sessions had already canceled postseasons to all schools and leagues more time to simply get games in for all sports. How do you coach a season without that source of motivation? The thing that's always kind of the trip is, like, you know, you're always playing for, for championships and you're playing for state. And, you know, we were all on this weird kind of stage towards the end of the season, like, that's it. You know, great season. <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for playing, you know. And so, like, when I kind of introduced the season, we met on Zoom, um, you know, and kind of say, like, you know, here's our idea. Here's our goals for the summer. And, you know, we, there wasn't – it was early on, like, January. And so I'm still trying to, like, preach, like, hey, we're playing for championships. And, you know, here's the mission. I had the nice PowerPoint rolling and all that, you know. and the, the kids bought in, you know, I basically, you know, I had to basically go back once we got all the information a couple, like a month later and say, hey, look, you know, the, the stage has changed a little bit. And, you know, it went from championships to, you know, I kind of termed it like, you know, those good old days in the park, like, hey, this park is going to meet over here with this park and we're about to go play some ball, you know, mm -hmm. and kind of get some motivation that way. Like that's growing up, that's what I did. Like, hey, 
you know, Wendell Park is going to go play Bird Park, and then, you know, that's going to be the one, you know, and so we're just going to show up and play some ball. You know, I always say, like, just give me a date and a time. I don't care when. I don't care where. Let's just go play. And uh, so the, the mission did definitely change, you know, and uh, you want kids to have that, like, long-term view of, uh, you know, here's why we're doing it and this and that, but you know, that it, it was kind of, it was weird, you know, and it was, it was tough and you kind of only hope and have faith like the kids are totally bought into that. A common thread from our conversations with every coach was how quickly their teams bonded and the purity of the bond that developed. Both Costello and Perry marveled at the chemistry that unfolded on their teams. You know, it felt like the players had a common thread, a common theme, and, and even the parents, like it was not... You know, and we we always have good parents, um, but there's just a a camaraderie, a bond that not only our players felt, but I think our parents felt together as well because they were went through this roller coaster together, and they finally get the chance to play, and wow, I get a chance to watch my kid put on a uniform and play basketball, um, you know, and I think one of those things, you know. You don't realize how much you love something until it's taken away from you. You're not allowed to do it. And I think everybody had an opportunity to, to, to be a part of that for sure. We're not playing for championships. We're not playing for rings. You know, we're kind of, and I think they just started to play for each other. And um, you kind of, you started to see that. And it was totally organic. You know, it was, um, I always say kind of like, it's something so special, but like there was this, this disconnect, right? Kids are doing class on Zoom, you know, kids starting off as ninth graders and kids in school their senior year and, you know, little ones, my six-year-old, you know, they all these kids have never even been on campus. And, you know, that's either their last year, their first year or whatever, you know, of, you know, their indoctrination into high school football and stuff like that. And a lot of kids hadn't met each other until November. And um, so in this strange like disconnected time i've <laughs> never seen a team come together so quickly you know usually you you expect you know all those football norms of the dog digs of summer and grinding with your teammates and you know the ups and downs of the season of students lives and all that and those kind of things start yelling and creating this bond um and you know, we have some of that, but it just wasn't the normal way that we usually see it within a football season. And and <laughs> the brotherhood was like unmatched. And I've had some really close teams um, to see these kids come together so quickly in a five game season. It, it tripped me out, man. You know, and they were just on huddle like after we played our last game of you know, man, I love you guys. What a great family this is. This is a real family. This is my best season of football ever. Yada, yada. And it was just, it was amazing to to experience, you know, because it wasn't after an NCS or a state championship. Like when they say like a real brotherhood, I know it sounds super cliche and all that, but there's like this true genuine brotherhood that these kids, you know, pulled and kind of grew together that, you know, I would have never expected, you know, in such a shortened season and, and such a trying time for families. Before we continue with the rest of this episode, here's a few words from our podcast partner, the California Army National Guard. 
In the Army National Guard, my part-time service lets me serve close to home, keep a full-time job, and earn money for school. I really can have it all in the Army National Guard. Visit NationalGuard.com to find out more. In a normal year, teams across all sports will hold senior night ceremonies on the night of their last regular season home game. While they are often nice, heartfelt tributes, they all hit much differently in 2021. It, it was it was just great just seeing the pure joy again, right? I mean, it's just like, because you never know when it's your last. I mean, uh, the seniors last year would have died to have, you know, a, a senior night. Um, and just seeing the kids, like, they know what happened last year and just, you know, the family members made the extra, uh, you know, um, they got out there to see them. You know, they made the extra effort to get, to be able to, you know, because sometimes parents work. It, it's a tough time when we have senior nights. for like 3 o'clock. Every parent was there. Every sibling was there. I mean, it just, it, it, it was a big event, which normally sometimes one or two parents show up, you know, and things like that. But this year it's like, hey, we never know, <laughs> you know? So it, and I think that the, the crowds were pretty big at that, at, at all the senior night games, which was good, you know, and um, they followed protocols. They were all, uh, you know, socially distanced, but, you know, I mean, it was just, it was a great moment for those girls, especially with this whole senior year, not being able to, to be at school and things like that. I mean, you just truly saw happiness, you know, and, and that was one thing I'm always going to remember about this year's senior night. I teared up. I'm not going to lie. I teared up. Um, and, and usually, I mean, it's pretty sentimental. I mean, Dublin does, you know, it's usually a big deal, um, big deal Dublin, but, but I think for me, um, I, I think I teared up, uh, just because, you know, it was, it was just emotion. It was just an emotional year. I mean, you had, you, there were so many highs, so many lows and, um, and I just think it just, it, you know, all of a sudden it was sort of a culmination of, Hey, it sort of hits you that, you know, these kids have been through it, you know, as much, you know, selfishly, you know, I had a 2020 senior. And, um, you know, I thought, oh, man, this is awful end of the, you know, and it's nothing compared to the 2021s, nothing. I mean, it, it, and so to watch them smile with their folks walking down, um, I think, you know, for each one of them, uh, you know, it hit me, it hit me. And, um, you know, and, and, and the scheduling of the, of the senior night, you know, I talked to our team parents, I said, and they said, hey, so we do it on the last, I said, we do it as soon as possible because you never know, you know, and she's like, well, what do you mean? We always do it. I said, I said, what we've learned, you know, you do it, you know, you never know. And so as it turned out, we didn't have that last game against Amador anyway, because Amador quarantine. So we didn't have those last two games against them anyway. So luckily we scheduled it um, as soon as possible and got that, you know, got that done. So it wasn't our last home game. Um, but it was special. I mean, and, and it was cool because we could, there wasn't a big, you know, huge crowd, obviously, and we could kind of take our time and take pictures and parents didn't have to feel rushed to get off the court for warmups, you know, because we're behind and the other team's kind of like, hey, can we get going here? So we kind of, you know, we kind of planned it and um, it was nice. It was very, uh, very well done. But I, you know, I, I told my wife, I said, that was the hardest but most gratifying senior night I've ever had. Remember at the beginning of the episode when we talked about adjustments? Yeah, there was a lot of that. Costello coached his way through a 14-game schedule with basically just one official practice. Wisely had to manage a regular season in which he only played the same five opponents over and over due to the Bay Valley Athletic League deciding to bubble its six schools. Meanwhile, 
Perry had to rely on some of his players to help him teach the offense he wanted to install. I'm a control freak. I didn't know I was a control freak until this year. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know. Because um, usually you had time to kind of prepare and stuff. But um, there's just certain things we had to not prepare for that we usually do. And we just said, hey, here, you know, instead of knowing, you know, the other teams, 10 plays, here are their top three. Have, you know, good luck, you know, but just know these three. So the the rhythm for our for our practice or for our game day was we'd have a shoot around like at one, one thirty for 25, 30 minutes, whenever we could, you know, scrape game time between our girls team and our badminton and, and uh, boys and girls, volleyball, um, stunt cheer, um, you know, whatever. Uh, so being able, you know, being able to, so number one, trying to find gym time, that was great, or a basket or outside or whatever, but just to go through, here's today's, first of all, this is the name of today's opponent. <laughs> this is the school we're playing, right? Here are some of their good players, and this is what they do. Um, I'll see you tonight. You know, that was kind of what it was. And that's what I'm saying. Like, we had we had a couple sophomores, a couple juniors on our team. And I'm like, man, this varsity stuff is easy. You know, we just we don't have to do anything. Um, so it was hard. I mean, being a, being a guy that's, you know, trying to relies on preparation and stuff, it was very hard, but I just think everyone else was kind of in the same boat anyway. I, I would say the difficult part for, for our season softball wise, um, we played every team four times in our league. It, it, was, it got so repetitive. I mean, it, you know, we're used to playing them twice, possibly maybe seeing them in a tournament every now and then, you know, maybe three times we'll play a team. But this year we ended up playing Pittsburgh four times or five times, sorry, because we had a playoff at the end too. So it's like, it was like, we knew, like we knew each other's lineups. We knew, I mean, we could probably call pitches for each other because we know how to do, you know, I mean, it was just, it, it, it got long in terms of that, you know, um, I would say definitely going to that fourth round, you know, playing someone the fourth time and be like, Oh God, Hey, how you doing again? You know, he may write your lineup for you because you could just write mine. It's, it makes it a lot easier. Um, but you know, it, it, when you look at it though, I mean, that part was a grind, but at the same time, these kids got to do something, they got to play. And some of them, it's the last time they get to put on the uniform. And it's crazy. A lot of them play like travel ball and, and do the, the and, and when they end their travel ball season, it's like, okay, it's cool. But when you take off that high school jersey for that last time, it the girls get emotional. There's some things where for sure I'm gonna like I've taken away. Um I think there's one I call the Jess, the Jesse Madden model, right? He's such an old school kid and you know, I would basically teach the offense and like I was saying last time, um I would say, here's the offense, go. And then, so he would have these player organized practices and he would now go teach the offense, you know, to this group of kids, which started off with like three kids. And then, you know, by the end of August, it was like maybe up to about 12 kids and kids would go out. And then uh, there's another group over here um, of the kids that lived in Oakland and, you know, they would go work at a park. So we had like three different groups, a group in San Leandro, a group in Oakland, a group out in Pleasanton that they were all working uh, together after they would learn the offense and they would go teach themselves. And, you know, I haven't seen the offense, you know, that we've been running since Concord learn this fast. And so I definitely said, you know, it's kind of one of those aha moments like, wow, like when these kids have to teach each other, 
some amazing things happen. And I always try to reach. So I, now I try to remind my coaches and remind myself, like, look, if we want players to lead, we got to allow them opportunities to lead. So, you know, I might experiment with some player led practices on Fridays and stuff like that. And I might try some new things in that regard, you know, to really give kids an opportunity to lead and see how they kind of how they react and how they can still absorb, you know, the content we're pushing out. Even after making all the adjustments, just one positive test can derail it all. So we got tested three times a week. Um, and we had a positive test right at the end, uh, right before we we're about to start playing. And it's sort of a bummer. Um, and yeah, that, and then so that player had, um, you know, had COVID, but no symptoms. There was no symptoms at all. And um, then we went through that 10 days. So luckily and, and thankfully, a lot of the coaches were able to reschedule with me because um, we had, I think we had 17 games scheduled uh, or 18, whatever. So we lost a couple, but for the most part, everyone was able to, you know, um, help me shove all those games into like three weeks. I think instead of four and a half, it's three weeks. But yeah, so we had one positive and then that went through and uh, we were able to play, you know, play again. And um, just, you know, it's just, it's a bummer. You feel bad for that kid. You feel, you know, that kid feels like he's letting everyone down, but it's like, hey, it's going to end up happening to everybody. And, and I think everyone at least got sort of a taste of it, which is unfortunate, but you just knew it was going to be one of those things. And if you thought test anxiety was high before their positive tests, just imagine the hand ringing that went on during the two and a half week season that followed. Everyone was super careful. Um, obviously, I think that was a wake up call. But I mean, you you get that test, and then you know you're getting the results the next day, and every everyone got it at the same time. And not only are you trying to prepare for the game and the opponent you're watching film and you have a scouting report and you're trying to deliver that scouting report to your players, but you're going, what is that? What is that next test going to be? Are we even going to have a team, you know, to be able to play? So when that, you know, we all got a text message uh, with our results and that was, it was one of those things, right? I want to look, but I don't want to look, but I, you know, and then, and then, so you're looking at it and then, and then you go, and then everyone has to text me the result. So I'm just getting the result. Okay, that one's good. All right. Uh, okay, we're good there. You know, and it's like all day. So not only not only do we have to play MIDI, I'm trying to figure out if we're if we can play. Right. It's 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 because uh, you know you're super gun shy, um, but luckily we um, we made it through. But it was it was hairy there, man. I'm full sweat during school, like cause we're you know. Full sweat, like, hey, how's the game? I don't even – I mean, I just hope we get to play. I'm still waiting on one more result. And I think one guy, we waited until, like, I think 4 o'clock on the game day because he did not get his result. And we were just sweating. Like, why does he not get his result? Is there something – you know, because if he goes down, we all go down. Um, so, anyway, yeah, that was that was super sketchy, super sketchy.
we did not have to test at all until we had a kid come up with COVID. <laughs> and then uh, we, we all tested, everyone tested negative. Um, and what was great is all the coaches were vaccinated at that point. Um, and so the one player that we still had to uh, take 10 days off. So I had to reschedule some games and it, it, it ended up all working out. And, um, and what was great is everyone tested negative on the team and the, and the one girl was able to come back after 10 days. So um, it ended up working out. If you've listened this far and haven't felt empathy for the athletic directors at some of these schools, here's Costello after being asked if he'd ever put the AD hat on. Wisely adds on with his own praise. I thought about it um, a few times, but after this year, forget it. Forget it. Hey, we have one of the best in the business. Tim Sperani is one of the best in the business, and, and he did so many things behind the scenes. Incredible, incredible job of, of just organizing. And... Um, you know, but it worked out, you know, uh, there were no, you know, everyone had a facility. Everyone was able to practice if they're, you know, if they, if they weren't playing games. Um, but man, for five weeks, those guys and ladies just kicked butt and then ultra, ultra respect uh, for athletic directors around the state. Unbelievable job. My hat goes off to them. I mean, they, they busted their tails to, to get that rolling, you know? And um, I mean, it went from nothing to everything. I mean, there was at one point we had soccer, basketball, baseball, softball, water polo, and tennis all going on on the same campus. You know, I mean, it was it was crazy, you know, and uh, our athletic director was our first year athletic director, Andrew Riva. And, you know, he's running around checking everything going. And, and I know, uh, you know, every athletic director in the BBAL, they, they worked hard to, to make sure everything went smooth for the kids. And, you know, hats off to them for sure. We're going to spend this last 10 minutes with Camp Lindo football coach Kevin Macy. Macy has more than 30 years of head coaching experience and has spent the last 20-plus in Moraga, where he's built the Cougars into a regional powerhouse among mid-sized schools. He will remember his COVID season far differently than other coaches might, because while managing all the same things the other coaches were dealing with, Macy had to navigate his team through the death of junior lineman Elijah Clock's dad, a loss that sent ripples throughout the team. Elijah's dad passing was about as dramatic an experience we've ever had in our program. And you combine it with this extended long postponement of waiting and hoping for a football season. And then finally, when it was going to start to then have, you know, the combination of the death and the timing of it. And not only, you know, Elijah, his role in the program and his father's role in the program, the COVID aspect of it really found a way to where these kids had to have this special bond that maybe earlier in the year that would have been developed. And so you're right. I mean, I think that the COVID aspect changed the whole perspective of the complete season and the special way these kids had to bond in sort of that no school distance learning, you know, how do you find a place where you can all gather together and work together. Our first game of the year was freedom. Extremely exciting game, you know, in terms of one of those games where everyone felt it was in our football history might've been one of our most dramatic games. The next Saturday, I see Elijah's dad, Jonathan, in the parking lot. He had just dropped Elijah off for SATs. And we had a long conversation and, and Jonathan's a very, he got so much energy in him all the time. And so we had a great conversation. And so that was Saturday. 
Then on Monday, Elijah was on, I think it was, you know, he was at home. You know, it wasn't his day to show up for class. And he dealt with his morning, you know, asynchronous distance learning. And then after the first period, he came out into the garage and he found that his dad was on the floor. It was Elijah immediately jumped down to do CPR. And they, you know, they did get, you know, the father to the hospital. And of course, you know, under the conditions, you know, he was on life support. And then now this is during our second week leading into the Benicia game. As the week is progressing, you know, there's some hope, but we don't know how much hope. And by the time we get to the, the Friday game against Benicia, I get a text from Jonathan's mom, Stephanie, that says, the family got some news. It wasn't good. Please keep an eye on Elijah during the game. So after, you know, the Benicia game, we're now leading into a big rivalry game with Akalani's. And our coaches meet on a, a Saturday night. And as we're trying to do some game planning, I get a, a call from Elijah. And he's telling me that this is a Saturday night and Sunday, the family's going to go in and do their final farewells, goodbyes. And so we, we had a long talk that night. And it was right in the middle of game planning for this biggest game of the year for us. And then it, from there, we jump into Monday. And it's a, it's a big community impact. The, uh, the Clock family was, they were a life force. Elijah himself is a life force. And he gets it from his dad. And so they, the community planned on having a, a candlelight vigil. So the family did not, they were not prepared for this. They had no idea, but the, the community met on the street around the corner. And at a certain point, everybody was gonna walk up to the house just with candles. And they, they had a little like, you know, a music player that was gonna play some spiritual music. And the clock family came out by then Elijah's brothers were, he had one that was at Annapolis flew back and the family was together, but there was no like MC, no one that was gonna be a moderator. It was just the music was playing, the, everybody was on the streets with candles and they, and Elijah, you know, he, they were on, the family was on the driveway and at least our football players were all in uniform. They went up and they surround Elijah. But then there was, there was no other conversation, just this, you know, nice spiritual music playing. And then one of our players, a close, another lineman, Tyrone Cavalier, he all of a sudden said, I want to lead a prayer. And he led this prayer and I, wow. When he led this, his tears were just flowing from him. And I'm going, at that point, I'm going, all right, this, this is deeper than what other people think because all of our linemen spent so much time at the clock house. And Jonathan Clock was with our linemen through all this COVID where we were locked out. There was no weight room. There was no place for the kids to go. The clock household became a rallying point, especially for all the linemen. And Tyrone, you know, he didn't have a father figure. And he broke into tears as he's leading this prayer. And I'm going, 
at that point I'm going, wow, this is deeper than anyone thinks because this household was a refuge for all of our linemen through COVID. And I just, I'm thinking, wow, well, the impact that we're now, <laughs> that I'm going, geez, we're going into Akalani's week and how do we, we got so much emotional stuff to deal with. From that realization, Macy had to come up with a plan for keeping the team insulated, but also focused on playing another football game in three days' time. It comes down to, you know, how do you handle this as a program? And I've, I've been through this for all my years of coaching. I've had, especially going back to my Oakland days, we've, you know, we've had a lot of cases where there's a death that has to be dealt with during a season. And I, I knew that the best way to handle it was, all right, we're not going to say that we're going to make a rivalry game like Akalani's devoted to Jonathan Clock because I knew the father wouldn't want this. And I've known over my years that you don't want to put kids in that position, that they feel that they have to go out and win a game for somebody. It just never works out. It's just too much pressure on kids. And if they don't pull it off, then they live with that shame of never coming through. And I've been through it. So I just knew the best thing to, at that point was, we said, we will dedicate our week of practice to Jonathan Clock because he was definitely so into working with the kids on his own. You know, he was like an auxiliary coach, an auxiliary mentor to these kids. And felt the best thing to do was say, let's devote our week of practice and our the way we will prepare and the spirit in which we will work because that would be what he would want. And we'll let the game take care of itself just to take that pressure off the kids. And at the same time, I think Elijah handled it better than some of the other kids on the team. The other kids on the team really took it tough. And I, I give Elijah so much credit for how well he handled going into the Akalani's week. I think he sort of pulled our team through it because I don't think our team was handling it as strongly emotionally as Elijah was. And I'm like, how's a kid living through this keep things in perspective? So that helped get everyone sort of focused to make it a tribute week for Jonathan Clock, but not overburden the kids with that pressure. You have to win this game. And so, it, and I, I believe that I believe in my heart that that's what the dad would have wanted. Any dad would want that. And, and the community was completely invested because the Clock's family was not just a quiet family. They were a very vocal, visual, emotional, spiritual family in our program. Camp Lindo beat Akalanes 28-13 that night, improving to 3-0 on what would become an undefeated six-game season. Macy closes us out by sharing his thoughts on how that week underscored football's ability to create a brotherhood and the invaluable role the sport holds within a school community and beyond. Having football season, even a short one, had a massive effect on Elijah Clock and his teammates. It certainly affected Macy, and he knows he and his Cougars weren't alone. Well, football is, is a very unique sport. In the landscape of all the other sports, there's more diversity on a football field than other sports. You know, all the baseball kids look the same, the basketball kids look the same, but you can get a scattering of so many awkward athletes to put on the field to make the world of football work. Football more than anything else in our world, in our communities, and, you know, throughout our state 
it's the one sport that that brings in such diversity in so many aspects and it's got that magic to it and so by the time we finally got a chance to play and football was the first driving force you know through patrick walsh and the let them play movement and the as we set up our coaches alliance and everything we had to do to fight to make sure football would take place because most sports were willing to sit and wait for permission but football didn't have that luxury football knew there was a deadline and they would cut us off with no questions of just you're done and so we had to be very aggressive and so, and then the movement to get football just to be played, it took on a lot of energy in so many different communities. And so by the time we were finally playing, so much energy and passion was committed. And we were, I mean, we were the tip of the spear for all sports. And if football didn't do it, indoor sports would have had a chance. You know, and, it, and so our communities, I mean, the schools were dormant distance learning was a very empty experience. Our community, you know, we had the ability to rally and really make the best out of distance learning, but still our communities did not have a chance to feel good about anything. In the landscape of so much social turmoil. And so by the time we had that victory over Akalani's, the joy in our community, the first time they could feel good about anything and to see our kids compete. By the time the game ended, the joy everywhere, the parents, the kids, everywhere. we never saw that much joy in our community in such a long time. I said, well, you know, that Akalani's game pretty much saved our school year because the school wasn't offering much. The sports element was a driving force separate from the school. The school had no interest or passion for it. It had, it was like an outside force that was for sports to happen. And I'm a teacher and I'll tell you that on the teaching side of it, they weren't making it very exciting for kids. The sports world was where the community could come together, feel excited, have some energy, and bring life back to our community. And I remember looking around, just seeing just the joy on the field. And I knew it was a statewide thing. It wasn't just our world, but up and down the state. These experiences that could have been stolen from our kids would have been such a crime. I'm a big promoter that, you know, it's so, it's a touchy subject. But if the safest way to describe it, it would be that adults were fighting battles, but we put our kids in the middle of it. And that shouldn't have happened. Our kids never should have been put in the middle of adult battles. And I'll leave it simply at, at that. But what we saw in that field, I knew was up and down the state was taking place in so many other communities. And if we didn't have that energy what football brings to a community and it could have been stolen from us when we entered the season i told our kids you will be part of the most historic year of high school football history in our state and i so in yes we we had a nice little run you know we went six and oh we were able to save what we could for our seniors we, we were 
pretty senior dominant team. And I thought, wow, if these kids couldn't fulfill what their dreams were, that would have been so sad. So yeah, it, it's the broader picture, not just Camp Lindo, but in every little community in our state. I, I just felt so much joy that night knowing that I don't know what's happening to everyone else in the world, but I know what's happening and everyone's feeling the same joy. And that concludes this episode of Sports Stories. If you like what you heard, please consider subscribing wherever you enjoy listening to your favorite podcasts. We're currently on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Breaker, and Pocket Casts. If you listen to us on one of those platforms, please consider rating and reviewing it as well. Sports Stories is built using Anchor. You can visit anchor.fm slash sportsstars if you'd like to leave us a voice message about this episode or suggest one of your own. Also, be sure to check out the magazine's homepage at sportsstarsmag.com where we will have a page with episodes extras that include images, story links, and more. This episode's audio was recorded and edited by me, Chase Bryson. The cover photo was taken by Dean Coppola. The Sports Stories theme music was performed and mixed by Dustin Phillips. Check out his renowned cover band, Popular Demand, at sacramentocoverband.com now that live music is beginning to return. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back with another new episode in two weeks. some stories bro i have like seven of them are you kidding me